0: Thank you so much for listening to Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church. Our hope is to inspire, refresh, and encourage you to be lights in a dark world. This week, we continue a series called Improving Your Serve. If you do find this message inspiring or motivational, please follow Pastor Cedric or Commitment Church on Facebook and Instagram. Download our podcast on Anchor.fm, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Now, filling in for Pastor Cedric, here's Pastor Mike Jones.
1: All right, so as we get started, I just wanted to review a little bit and go back to what we've talked about so far. Uh, Pastor Jose Torres has done the last two sermons, and his first sermon uh, was talking about how there's space to serve. And that was out of 1 Corinthians 12, 14, where it said, for the body is not one member, but many. And so just as your physical body has a lot of moving parts that need to be working properly in order for it to function the way it should. It's the same way with church. The scripture often talks about the church as being a church body. And there's many parts that need to be filled and we need you to fill them. And a great point that he made was that just because you come here and it seems like everything's going smooth from the outside and that we've got this under control, uh, that doesn't mean we don't need your help. That doesn't mean that there isn't room for you to serve and participate in the body of Christ and what we have going on here at commitment. Uh, last week, he talked about how we serve for Christ alone and not to please men. And Colossians three twenty three says, "Whatever you do, I lost my verse. But whatever you do, do it heartily." as for serving the Lord, not serving men. And so we should be serving to please God, not to please others. There's the quote that we've all heard, that you can't please all the people all the time, and that's incredibly accurate, especially as it pertains to serving. You know, Serving the Lord, serving in his church, serving the body of Christ. If we do this to please others, uh, if we do it to please ourselves, if we do it out of some sort of guilt, we're going to miss the mark. But if we do it to please God first, if we put him first in everything that we do, and that's our main motivation, God will take care of the hearts of the people that we're serving. Which leads us to today. And today I want to talk to you about how serving benefits us. Okay? And that sounds really good. You're like, oh, there's some some benefits for me to serving? Like, okay, I'll sign up. And I wish I could tell you that that's God will bless you physically, your physical needs that you have if you serve. That if you sign up to help out in his kids, that all the burdens, that you carry is going to miraculously go away if you just teach the kids once a month. That would be great, but I wish I could do that, but I can't. But what I can promise you is that as you serve the Lord in whatever role that he's called you to serve when you listen to him, that the spiritual benefits that accompany servitude of serving Christ will pay huge dividends and rewards in your life. So let's start to dissect that a little bit. And our key passage is going to be starting in Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, verse 12. So, and rather than read the whole passage uh, this morning, we're just going to go through a couple verses at a time and we're just going to sit and dissect what that means and how it applies to serving. So Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. And so what the author is saying, he's, he's writing this letter here to an already established church that he had been to before. And so when he first established that church, there was a lot of new believers who were there. And over time, he heard about them, he visited them, and they hadn't matured at all. And so he's saying, guys, it's, it's time for you to mature. It's time for you guys to progress, because by now you should be on to bigger and better things. You should be growing in your walk with Christ. And they haven't. <clears throat> and what the author does is he likens our spiritual growth to that of an infant being weaned off of a bottle, as it were. And so that's the way our spiritual life is. When we're first born, we're, we need milk, just like in our physical lives. But as we grow and as we mature, we need to be ready to consume some of the solid food, some of the deeper principles, some of the deeper applications that the Lord has in our life. And so as that pertains to serving, it's not like when you start serving, you go from milk right to steak, right? There's a progression just like there is with your children, you know? So it's not, hey, yeah, I want to volunteer to serve. Okay, you're preaching next week, you know? There's there's a process to it. You're going to be eased into it. And so as that maturing is a continual process in your spiritual diet, just like with your physical one. So how can you mature then? How can we transition from only drinking the milk of the word to being more mature for solid food? Practice. Let's look at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Practice here means habit to have and hold, grip, seize, or possess. We have to practice what we learn. The things that we learn here, we have to put into action. Where can we do that? We can do that here in the church with the body of believers. It's just like sports, right? You can't not practice and then get into the game and expect to perform well. And that's the way it is in our spiritual life. If we're not practicing what we're learning in the church, practicing the lessons that we have, then there's no way we can go out into the world and go beyond these doors and expect to do well. So in the church, as you serve, that practice ground can help you learn some of these lessons. It can teach you humility. It can teach you servitude. It can teach you selflessness, gentleness. And as you learn them here, when it comes time in the real world, where real life hits and you're all alone, then you can expect to be more mature. Continue on in verse 1 chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. In verse 1, we need to press on to maturity. Press in verse 1 means to bear bring, carry, and endure. So as we continue to pursue a godly life, as we start to transition from that milk and start to mature into servitude towards Christ, we have to understand that it's going to be challenging and that we're going to have to bear through. In Matthew sixteen twenty-four, it's and Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In order for us to expect to grow spiritually and mature, we have to carry our cross daily. We have to deny our own needs and wants and desires. Serving doesn't come without sacrifice. Jesus served us. He came, the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if Christ was willing to lay aside all his heavenly privileges, right, give up being God and come down as a man to feel pain and to serve us and to ultimately give his life on the cross for us, how much more should we be prepared as believers to carry our cross, whatever that cross might be, and to serve him, to make a sacrifice, you know, serving doesn't come without giving up something you, you already have. You might give up your Saturdays sometimes. You know, that's how it can start. And then once you do that, you'll realize that it'll become a habit and it's something you continue to do. And you're like, okay, I can give up my Wednesdays. And before you know it, you've given up your whole life to the Lord. It can be scary to sit here and say, give it all to them, give them everything. And you could be kind of reserved, like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. Okay, but start somewhere. Give him something and see what he can do. Full disclosure, I remember when I first started coming here and I was given the opportunity to serve, it was on the worship team. And so that would be every Sunday morning. And I certainly wasn't a mature believer at the time. You know, I was still learning a lot. But, you know, just that little commitment to having to be here every Sunday morning it kept me from going out on Saturday night, you know? Honestly, I'm just being transparent, you know, where even the people that I was going with at the time, they knew it was just like, hey, guys, if, if we're going to do something this weekend, it's got to be on a Friday because, you know, I got to be clear-headed for Sunday, you know? and they, And God bless Norby, you know, and God bless the people who were with me who allowed me to grow in that kind of a space. You know, where eventually it went from that milk of the word and those basic principles, they gave me the room to grow and mature and go through the infant stages and the adolescent stages and, and I'm still growing to this day. And it was a great way, a safe place to practice what i had been learning, to learn from people who knew more than me, and to eventually see myself grow and develop a more personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So, serving can mature you. It really can. I'm way more mature now than I was when I first started. Uh, All right, continuing on. Uh, Hebrews 6, starting in verse 4. Hebrews 6, 4. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. What? When I first read that, I was like, well, wait a second that kind of makes it sound like you can lose your salvation. Can you lose your salvation? Okay, okay, just making sure you guys are out there. No, of course not. But that's, and that's what we believe here at Commitment. And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says that, For by grace you are saved, through faith, not yourselves, not anything you do, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so this is not a works-based salvation. Once saved, always saved. You can't lose it. Um, Carl read in Isaiah that there is none who can take you out of the Father's hand. He acts, and who can reverse it? No one. Even Jesus says, I can't change what the Father has willed. Okay, so we know that we are always his. Well, then what's it mean by falling away? I mean, it does... The scripture says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. So, what is it talking about here? In verse five, or verse four, I want to focus on the word partakers. Partakers means to share in, experience, and enjoy together. Can you come to church as a non-believer and enjoy the service? Can you Be here in these four walls and have a song play that stirs in your heart that you need to change? Can you hear a sermon that encourages you, that you can walk out of here and be like, man, I feel really good. I'm going to apply some of what that preacher said today and not be a Christian? Yeah, you certainly can. And that's the thing to be careful of, right? we got to be careful for, for those of us, when you, when you first start coming, you're like, oh, man, this, because it's so different than the world, right? Especially, you know, now, there's a very, it's a stark contrast when you walk into these, into this building, and you see the unity, right? And you feel the positivity, you know, it's a lot different than out there. So you can come in here and feel good, and everything's nice, and all these people get along. Man, this, I walk out of here feeling great. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you've given your life to the Lord. There, there was a friend of mine who would come with me to church uh, some years back, and she would come every once in a while, and I was super excited. Oh, man, church is amazing. you got to come here. It's changing my life, whatever, whatever. And she would show up, and every worship set, and, the ugly cry, they'd be all upset, <laughs> you know, and we'd leave, and she'd be like, oh, man, you know, I, just, I feel so good and refreshed. You know, and that was where it was, and that that was cool. You know, the Lord was doing some things. He was moving in her life, and one day we're, you know, we're walking out, and Pastor, this is back when we didn't have all these separate exits, and Pastor's standing in the back where it kind of funnels in, and he makes sure he shakes everybody's hand and looks them in the eye, and he's just like, oh, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, we should meet this week. Okay, cool. And we go into his office, and, you know, me and this person and and Pastor— And it was so nice to talk about learning from somebody, right, to see how he was speaking to her and hearing her story. And she talked about, I I didn't even know half the stuff about her. She just opened up about her life and how she's seen God move in her life. And she knows God is real because she's seen what he's done. She's felt him, right? So I'm a Christian. And he looked right at her and he said, you've seen God around you but do you have him in you? Have you said that out loud? Have you confessed to him that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And it, that's the change, right? That's where you go from an experience, from a feeling, to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was beautiful to see like that day, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And she confessed that she needed a savior, confessed that she was a sinner. And that is when her life truly changed. So serving can protect you from falling away. As you serve and as you're around the Lord's people, his will for your life can become a lot clearer and you can realize the difference between that experience and that personal relationship. But believers can also be protected from falling away. Because Lord knows, we you know the prodigal son story, right? You can be saved and have your own story and <laughs> make, things, make things hard on yourself, you know, and come back. So how can serving protect you from falling away? Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. I feel like every sermon I find a way to get back to this verse because I love, I love this verse all about personal relationships. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Accountability. Serving brings accountability. We were not created to be alone. We were not created to live and walk this Christian life alone. Just look at creation. God created Adam, and this perfect world, and all the animals. And he still saw that man was alone. He needed someone. And it's the same way in our spiritual life. I would encourage you, if you're trying to do it on your own, or you you feel alone, you just feel alone, you just feel like you're stuck, serve. Find somewhere that you can be used in the church for his people, And the shift in your mindset will go away from the despair and the depression and the anxiety that you feel, and it will now go to, well, how can I help someone else who might feel the same way? And it completely changes things around. But what does this accountability look like? Let's turn to Galatians 6, verse 1. Galatians 6, verse 1. Because accountability can be a scary word. You don't want anybody holding you accountable for everything you do, right? That's not without personal relationships. So how is that? It's not like, um, you know, when you have an accountability partner, it's like, hey, did you do this? Did you do wrong? Did you read your Bible every day? That's not not what it looks like. Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restores such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. For any, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Okay. So this accountability is not from, I'm here, you're here, let me help you get on my level. No, we're all here. We're all sinners. Right? That's why it says here, don't, don't think any more of yourself. Right, Don't look at your brother's sin and think, that can't happen to me. You're supposed to take that as a warning because we're all sinners and we can all fall into any sin if the time and the temperature is right. Okay, So that accountability that we have together shouldn't be this fearful thing where you know I don't want to be transparent or open up to somebody or them to see me for who I really am. No, that's the beauty of it. The more transparent you are, if you're in the right group, right? If you're around the right people, the right believers, that accountability is iron sharpening iron. That accountability is brother helping brother, sister helping sister. That's the kind of accountability we need. And through serving, you'll you'll get that tenfold. Because that's where the relationships are built. Serving hand in hand, arm in arm, with other people next to you whose only passion is to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And when that's our number one focus, our number one passion, that's where the spiritual maturity comes in and that's where there's protection from falling away from your faith because you're going to have others who are going to be bringing you along and you're going to get to a point where you're going to help others come along too. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Continuing on in Hebrews. I keep losing my tabs here. In Hebrews chapter 6, and we're now in verse 7. For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it, and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, it receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. So, Right here, it's talking about two different types of soils here, and one that bears fruit and one that bears thorns. That sounds kind of familiar, so rather than use my words to try and explain it, let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Matthew 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples, I believe, and the crowd that's around him. And he's speaking in parables. And for those of you who've never heard the word parable before, it was just the way that Jesus told a story. So that he would take some heady spiritual idea and he would make it a practical story relatable to the common man. And then from that story, he would derive some principles that people could then wrap their heads around. Okay, So in Matthew 13, Jesus is telling the parable of a sower. And what a sower was was pretty much like a farmer at that time where he would have a, a little pouch with seed and just go out there and just throw the seed around on his field and wait for it to grow. So, and we're going to stick to a small portion of this parable as it relates to Hebrews 6. all right? So Matthew 13, verse 7. And he's talking about the sower sowing the seed. And he's talking about the seed. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And even then his disciples were like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about this sower for? I don't know what you're saying. And then Jesus was like, let me explain it to you. So, in verse 22 and 23, Jesus defines what the good soil is and what the thorny soil is. Verse Verse 22. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is a man who hears the word, and the wary of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some 100, some 60, and some 30. Okay, so those are the two soils that are talked about here. And that thorny one, that'll get you. The worry of the world, who doesn't have worry? Who doesn't have stress? You know, that's, it it gets all of us. And and the more that we focus on that, and the more, if we're more in the world than we are living for the Lord, it's going to come up and it's going to choke you out. It's going to choke the life out of your spiritual walk because there's a lot out there to worry about. The deceitfulness of wealth. Who doesn't want to get ahead, right? But if that's your number one priority, if getting ahead and getting sucked into the rat race take more of a priority over your walk with Christ, it can be damaging to your Christian walk. But then there's the good soil. This is the man who hears the word and understands it, and his life bears fruit. And so back in Hebrews, in verse 7, For the ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is tilled. Serving will keep you useful. Useful means well-placed, ready for use. And when you have yourself in a position to be used by God, when you're serving Him, when you're ready to be used, when you're in the right place at the right time, that worry, those thorns of life, that deceitfulness of wealth, you'll see it coming a mile away. No, no, you're trying to get me. You're trying to distract me. Satan, you're trying to derail me. Your own thoughts, you're trying to trick me into thinking that I don't have time to serve God. That if I serve the Lord, I'm not going to have time to take care of my family. I'm not going to have time to work. If I don't work overtime, I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. If I don't spend time with my kids constantly, I'm not going to have a relationship with them. And I didn't have a relationship with my father, my mother, and I'm not going to let that happen. That's the worry of the world. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. But when we serve God first, man, he miraculously takes care of all that. We have a loving God. Why would he, he wouldn't ask you to serve him. He wouldn't ask you to give everything to him to then what? So your life can fall apart? What? It doesn't make sense. So if we're here, we believe in a God who loves us. We believe in a God who saved us, who's merciful, who wants us to have an abundant life. So when we're obedient to him, we can see clearly. The scales are lifted from our eyes. We can see sin and the distraction of the world, right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We can recognize it for what it is, push it off to the side, and press on to serving the Lord and paying forward what was already given to us. That's why we should serve. And that's what serving can do. It can keep you useful. Fertile soil ready to be tilled by the master to bear fruit to everyone around you. When you're ready to be used and you're a seed planted in good soil, it says here in the word you'll be blessed. I want to turn to Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. That's who we can be. Right? So, what kind of seed are you? I think about this heat we've been going through, right? And if you mow your lawn too short, boy, you're going to have a brown lawn in no time. It's going to die right away from the heat of the sun, right? So is that our spiritual walk? Or Do we have grass roots that are going to burn up the minute the sun gets too hot? Or are we going to be like trees planted by streams of living water that bring forth the right fruit in the right season who don't have to worry about the heat, who don't have to worry about drought, Because when we're serving the Lord with everything we have, we're putting him first, and we're doing everything we can for him, the worry of this world is no more. I promise you. And Satan will do everything he can to try and distract you. Even getting up here this week, It's tough, man, but the devil is a liar. And if you're sitting on the sidelines and you have doubt and fear, thinking that God can't do something for you, mm -mm, nope, it's a lie. He's done everything for me. When I loved him, first, first, no hidden motives, no God, I need this. I need that. I need you to help me here. He came through. But when I served with selfish ambition and selfish motives, and because I needed God as a fire escape to help me with problems that I had created for myself, when he didn't help me, I turned my back on him. Because my motives were impure, and I was shallow, a shallow, shallow man, to think, that to serve God, I had to get some sort of benefit here in this world. And he grabbed me, and he shook me, and he slapped me, and said, get it together, man. Grow up. Mature. I'm here for you. And I said, yes, Lord, I'm a broken man. Help me. I'll do anything for you. Because I need you. And when I did that, man, it changed everything. And I can't sit here and say that, oh man, I got everything I wanted. No. But I got everything I needed. And that's what God does. Don't let your own desires, your flesh, fool you into thinking anything other than that God wants the best for you. He really does. But we we can see we we tend to take God and give him our own perspective and say, okay, God, I know what you're gonna do. If I do this, then you're gonna do this, and we have it all mapped out. And that's not how it works. God says, just trust me, I got it. And he'll do things in ways you can't even you can't even imagine. I'm so passionate about this, guys. I've seen the Lord do amazing things in my life, in other people's lives, but it first comes from submission and servitude. It's not wait for God to do what you did, you know, bartering. All right, God, if you do this, then I will. Because then when he doesn't answer your prayers the specific way you wanted him to, then you're right back at square one and you're still in that milk, and you're still in that milk, and you're still in that milk. When you trust him through the trial, that's when that diet starts to change. Little by little, he's faithful. All right, so, serving keeps you useful. Anyway, (laughs) where were we? Uh, Hebrews 6, verse 9. Hebrews 6, verse 9. And we'll just take this a verse at a time. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking this way. So he's saying, hey, I I know I was pretty hard on you in these last eight verses here, you know, what I was just saying, but I know that you're capable of more. You're capable of better because God's called you to better, to more, to fruitful, abundant lives fulfilled through him. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name, and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. God sees your work. Don't be fooled because you might not see him working right away that he doesn't see what you're doing. Keep ministering to the saints here. Keep serving the body of Christ. God sees what you're doing. And we desire, in verse 11, that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Keep moving forward to the end, till death. Because that's the best part. We already know who wins. We don't need to win here, because we're going to win forever. We're going to reap eternal rewards at some point. We might be fortunate enough to see God's physical blessings here on this earth and to see Him do amazing things. But I know, good, bad, right, wrong, or indifferent, when I die, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ in a perfect world. No sin, with Him forever. That's what we should be pressing forward to. That's the hope, the assurance that we have in us. Press on with the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't be sluggish. Don't drag your feet anymore. You're only hurting yourself. And that's it. That's the only way I can say it. The more you wait to serve the Lord, and I'll do it, when I get to this point or that point and we set these various you know, it's like uh, every time I say I'm gonna start exercising again, right? So I'll do it when I start dieting first and then I'll run a few times and then I'll go to the gym or you know, all these qualifications, you know? Or on diets, you know, oh well the holiday, you know, whenever the holidays are up, after the holidays I'll start my diet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right? And that's how it is in our spiritual lives. We just Push it off and keep kicking the can down the road. Just make it now. Just make it now. Don't be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When we're serving, we can be an example for others. We can be examples to others. We need to imitate those who do so. So not only are we examples, but find someone who is an example. We apply that principle to everything else in our, in our jobs, or if you've ever done anything competitive, playing an instrument, right? How do you get better? By practicing with someone better than you. That's okay. There's some people who've been Christians longer. Find somebody, a spiritual mentor who can help you. It doesn't even need to be like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, will you be my mentor? Like this formal thing, just start serving. And as you serve, you'll just be around people who've done this Christian walk for a significant period of time. And you'll also be around people who just started, right? And we all help each other. That's how this whole thing works. I'll, I'll preach it every time I'm up here. We all do this together, not on our own. And we're not perfect. This isn't a perfect family. It's just like your family. You know, you got people you gravitate to, and you got crazy uncles. That's how it goes, you know? But we all serve the same God, and that's our motivation. Just like in your physical family, you know, their blood, though. Their family. family. So of course I'll still love them and I'll still go to our family reunions or our holiday get-togethers or whatever it is you do with your family, right? And that's how we should be in the body of Christ. Not, well, I'm not serving in that ministry because that one person, I don't know if I like the way they carry themselves and all these other crazy excuses that we come up with and ultimately not do what the Lord's told us to do, right? We're one crazy family, so let's embrace it and serve the Lord together and see these benefits here fulfill you, grow inside you so that you can grow a much deeper, stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. And as we bow our heads in prayer, I just want to ask you to do two simple things today. I want you to just ask yourself Who could be a mentor to me? How can I serve? Who here can I follow that can help me? And I would encourage you just to serve in any way you can. Take your spiritual growth to the next level. Let's transition off the baby bottle, off the milk, And start getting this thing moving. Put into practice what we've learned. And also, for others, who can you mentor? Who can you take time out of your day? Who can you sacrifice for? Who can you work with to mentor and to show them how to grow in Christ? And I would encourage you to answer those questions for yourself and to put that into practice as we continue on in the sermon series on serving. Dear Heavenly Father, I, just, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I just pray that today that this message was clear, God. That your word spoke for itself and that it made sense, Lord. And that your people can see the benefits that we can have from serving you, from obeying you from getting outside of ourselves and and just following you and and taking just the first step, God. Whatever that step might be for somebody today, Lord, I just pray that you would move in their heart that they would be encouraged and motivated to say, you know what? We got to get this thing going. I need to grow. I've been in the same place for so long and nothing has changed. Why? It's because first I need to grow, draw closer to you. So, Lord, I pray that people would just submit their lives to you. If they've never accepted Jesus as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they just welcome you into their lives, Lord, that they would go from people who see around them you work in and go to people who have security set in their hearts, knowing that you live inside them, Lord, that they have a personal, wonderful relationship with the creator of the universe who sent his son to die for. Lord, be with us as we leave this place, God, and I just pray that your blessing will continue to fall on your people, Lord, that they would see fruit come from serving you to the best of their ability. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org slash start. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you have made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry by visiting www.commitmentchurch.org. You can also visit loveallnations.org for more information and to receive encouraging videos. Lastly, if you or your family reside in the South Jersey area, please visit us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey 08021.